everybody this is not an intro <laughs> we fooled that's, them before yeah classic that's, intro intro <laughs> that's what intro daniel would say <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the spider verse <laughs> can you really tell if it's me or not uh, okay everybody drop your guard <laughs> <laughs> everybody be really vulnerable right now i've got something to say before the episode starts we want to solicit <laughs> we want to solicit something for, for we want to proposition something we want to beg you in a few months we're going to be doing a sort of free form looser episode based on a listener question that we got and we want to have people that listen to us i guess you would call them fans no i wouldn't pedestrians i wouldn't and neither would they <laughs> the question we want you to send in your answer to so we can read them on the episode and discuss that as well as our answers to the question first i should say the listener who submitted this is jared kolka so the question is what do you like most about angelinos and also what should someone not from here be aware of to make their stay as agreeable as possible so that's the question we're going to tackle we want to hear your answers and you're going to want to hear our answers because i can't wait to give it in about few months time few from months. now we'll be asking for the next few months so send them in and you'll be famous too <laughs> and if, if the answer is good enough you'll get your own podcast yeah. one day yeah send us in those questions and now the real intro oh god that's that's what intro daniel would be saying too <laughs> this is the intro this Outside. is like inception you to, <laughs> everybody spin your tops see if this is an intro or not okay here's the intro <laughs> that was the intro here it is I'm sorry, everybody, but it's official. All ice cream in the city has melted. Fascist. I'm not a fascist. It's a heat wave. Uh, call me. Socially, yes, but financially, no. This is my ice cream store, and you all have to leave. Right before we burned Baskin Robbins to the ground, they said the last pint of ice cream in the city was here, and we'd all like a free sample. Yeah! Before we burn you to the ground. Yes, there is one flavor that didn't melt, but... You're not going to like it. It's ice cream. It will like it. No, I don't. Uh, Get to scooping, pal. We have four more ice cream stores to burn down before this heat wave breaks and all these crimes we've been committing become illegal again. You won't like what it is. I don't care what it is. Even if it's Rocky Road, I'll take it. What's the flavor? It's butter pecan. So you're out of Rocky Road. No, it's not popular, but it's here, and it's staying solid out of pure spite. All you have is the worst flavor of ice cream? It's not the worst. It's an acquired taste. That's code for it's the worst. How could it be the worst? It's nuts and cold butter for dessert. If I wanted to eat a bunch of nuts and butter, I'd stick my face in my grandma's pocket. Now, come on. It's not that bad. It's not like it's vegan ice cream or anything, right? Vegan ice cream isn't on trial here. It's on fire. Nobody likes butter pecan. Oh, I like butter pecan. Heat wave! Just because an ice cream isn't popular doesn't mean it's not tasty. And just because an ice cream looks like roadkill eggnog doesn't mean it's not tasty. And just because an ice cream's covered in 30 years of freezer burn doesn't mean it's not tasty. Then taste it. Taste it! I mean, I'd love to, only I'm afraid I'd like it too much. And then there wouldn't be any left for my new friends. We're not your friend! The mob has spoken. Grab a spoon and force feed the ice cream to him airplane style. Yeah. Oh, you're a big boy, huh? I would like to apologize to all of you, my new friends. Nope. To myself for taking part in this charade. And most of all, to this tub of ice cream. Butter pecan, you're gross. Quite frankly, you taste like caca. What do you have to say for yourself? You're as cold as ice and not in a good way. How could you say that? 
I told you that in confidence. Where do you get off? In front of all my friends. Oh, yeah? Well, I just have one thing to say to you, Butter Pecan. Ya mama. We came here to do two things. To eat ice cream and to burn an innocent man's business to the ground. But you taught me something today, not friend. You taught me that some people are on a rocky road to an even rockier bottom. You make me sick. Come on, everyone. Let's just get frozen yogurt instead. I didn't mean it. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry we had to go through that. I had to say what I said to keep you safe and make sure you continue a long life in the back of the freezer. Never being eaten. Never being touched. Except by me. I can't believe what I've done. Please, Butter Pecan, take me back. I knew you'd come crawling back to me, you weak slut. Get this goddamn spoon out of me. wasn't the intro <laughs> this is the intro <laughs> have Told you ever you. wondered what ice cream would be like if, what was the intro this time? <laughs> hello meeklings Hi. we haven't said that in a while we haven't people have addressed themselves as that which is neat you can't say it publicly it's a secret club a lot yeah. of people know that thanks for downloading the secret podcast yeah uh-huh. judging by the numbers it certainly must be a secret <laughs> thanks for everybody for uh, blowing our cover we didn't want anyone to download this speaking, and we mostly got that wish speaking of secret fans <laughs> we had a really yeah. good time at podcast party which we were on thanks to the podcast party guys the podcast podcast party, party that yeah. we were on thank you the live show mm-hmm. we're the live recording of said podcast podcast party your tone and the amount you're talking and the speed you're talking sounds like a lie like <laughs> like you're stalling no this was uh, uh no yeah it and was another a, thing about the it was, podcast, podcast, uh, there podcast. was there was a podcast podcast party and i was there, there we were there you were there we were all there we all saw me there i wasn't i wasn't in that alley no no not at all no never and i don't even know what an alley is what is that an ale did he say ale no. my hand can't even fit around a baseball bat <laughs> let alone crack that lady's skull come on podcast podcast party <laughs> for the record it's called podcast party yeah, we were on an episode at the pack theater and several of our fans came and we really appreciated that yeah, it was really it was really nice for everyone to come out please don't be afraid to say hi next time we also had the guys from martini lounge uh, yeah Sergey car which is really another podcast 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 another podcast, <laughs> podcast and also if you get a chance go see that show live because it's a really good sampler platter for other podcasts out there because that episode should be out by the time this comes out it should be on itunes we're also going to release our video of it on our youtube channel so you should watch that and also download other episodes because yeah it's different the concept of the show is like three or four different podcasts doing a 15 minute version of their podcast on the podcast podcast party it was a challenge to take an older story and make it new again fudge the facts (laughs) so now it's a new story but yeah it was a fun challenge to not only adapt it because we've done some live things but not only to adapt it to the live version but also to trim it down Mm -hmm. to the 15 minute version which is something we've never been able to do before it's also something that people have been begging us to do since we started so it's very nice to know that we are capable Uh, of it and now we're just plain refusing to do it i don't negotiate with beggars okay (laughs) alms for the poor (laughs) no negotiations (laughs) listen to that it was a lot of fun and thanks again for having us on podcast boys Shardy Nair. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Thank you for having us. Shaka Khan. Thank you, Shaka Khan. <laughs> That's one thing we did in the past month. Greg, what else? G- Greg, come on. Tell me what you did in the last month, Greg. Okay, here we go. Guess what? Greg. I wrote this down. I'm like, yeah, I did this within the last four weeks. I think I did it. Crack that lady's of- skull in with the baseball bat? I'll bury her. Okay, I can't listen. I know when you're going to fly off the handle and kill somebody. I don't know, but I was there and you're my pal. And I'm going to help you bury a lady. I'm always there to clean up the mess. Exactly. I'm you're, you're Norman Bates to me, Mother Bates. <laughs> We're the same person. 
spoiler you ruined it it's okay we're just gonna play the 15 minutes at the yeah. end where the guy just the explains it yes and no you see he's a pervert <laughs> yeah we understand how it works every time he killed he was his mother i know but how could a man also be his mother <laughs> well he wasn't really his mother but he was his mother every time he wears his mom's cardigan he wants to kill i get it dude just end up okay whatever <laughs> anyways i went me and my lovely girlfriend we went to the 3d space museum which is an echo park but wait a minute it's not 3d space it's just the 3d a 3d a 3d space it's a, a 3d space it's a podcast podcast party it's podcast podcast party. it's a yeah. 3d space space yeah you get it what is it because you were kind of telling me about this and i don't know what you're talking about i, I call it a museum i don't know if it, he actually collects old artifacts right now what he has is viewfinders and it's like a history of viewfinders if you don't know what a viewfinder is there's a thing when i was growing up it's like yeah. almost like a collect <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> daffy duck <laughs> kaleidoscope binoculars <laughs> and you put circular film in it right. and you click on it and it's a different image each time and he has like all these different things on display including like an original one well like one of the first ones that you put the nickel in and it would show you something on the screen <laughs> through binoculars <laughs> they're not binoculars but you know what i mean naked lady do you want to just keep Close riffing lady. while i talk <laughs> uh, this isn't a riff <laughs> riff is very generous what did you do <laughs> no, I want to hear more about this. You sure? I, I do want to hear more about this because I don't quite understand what this place is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of me loading a shotgun. To kill that lady in the alley. We're going to unbury her, shoot her, <laughs> rebury her. <laughs> but officer, we thought she was a vampire the first time we killed her. Oops. Tell me about this place. Um, it's a little space. Okay, so there's a building on Sunset and Alvarado, and it's a little space dedicated to 3D art i guess and 3d devices so it has like a bunch of viewfinders last time i was there it's a very small space it's tucked behind everything and eric curlin is the guy i guess curating it or running the place and it's very interesting but uh, how many 3d art things can i mean you've got like right now it's just viewfinders as far as i can tell i don't think the viewfinders were permanent i think that he it sounded like he was constantly switching 3d things like okay i don't know if it has regular hours or not so you'd have to contact him it's eric.curlin at three hyphen d space.org the next exhibit is pop-ups <laughs> 3d <laughs> third dimension <laughs> then the one after that is going to be the third mighty ducks movie <laughs> it's a very loose genre of museum <laughs> well this is this is something i did in the last month yeah i've gotten more into it it's a part of town i never really liked just because of the parking situation oh hot topic here <laughs> it's the hot topic district <laughs> but koreatown but the restaurants in Koreatown. Okay. It's a nightmare trying to find parking. It is, yeah. Pretty much any time of the year. Yeah, any time of the day, any time of the year. But the restaurants, because I had been to some, but recently I went to Hai Jang Chan Barbecue, the Korean... Okay obviously Korean barbecue and it was really good and then actually earlier today we were at Street Food of Seoul but there's just so many different that's a really great area not to park but like <laughs> for everybody but a car <laughs> I always say that Los Feliz is what people think of when they think of old Hollywood but also Koreatown has a lot of really old buildings and they just pack a lot it's like a pack everything in yeah when we were walking around it kind of, I kind of felt like oh this is a city yeah this is like, a city. this, this is yeah. actually a city specifically I'm talking about just the food scene because there's so many different types mm -hmm. of Korean food like there's the whole restaurant dedicated to one dish <laughs> and there's so many different things you can try and they're all quite good like yeah. everything i've had has been really good and there's so many different different things that i can't pronounce <laughs> and i'm too I just scared walk to order randomly and hope that it's a restaurant <laughs> that they serve food and take money you and i went out with we meant to go to one place and yeah. we ended up going to like two other places <laughs> because like you can do that there because it's so packed in you're, you're yeah. gonna find something you like and it's also very like every restaurant is very popular yeah <laughs> i don't know how every restaurant has a 45 minute wait but it does yeah i feel like everyone's trying to find that one karaoke bar they were at four years ago <laughs> when they had too much to drink and they're just stopping at every restaurant along the way. so it always feels like and nobody can read korean and you just <laughs> 
think every place is the place <laughs> you went to, which is racist. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. It's a pretty interesting place. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, go there before it changes Mm because who knows how long that's going to last even today walking around there's like all these like you said really old buildings with these really nice not framework but what would you call it like the the stuff out front I call them decorative crap yeah (laughs) decorative crap you know they were just turning it into like this is going to be a gym or or just something not Korean or that interesting so before that happens you should definitely go there anything in LA you should probably take a picture of now because in take a picture because it will last longer yeah take the metro also because it will take longer <laughs> yeah, parking it, it, it's it's almost excruciatingly painful there. The last couple times I actually got kind of lucky, but yeah. that was a fluke. Like I've driven around that area for like thirty minutes trying to find a yeah. parking spot. Like when we used to go do Karma Lounge, we'd have to park full on the other side of Vermont. Yeah, we had <laughs> by the public storage that was a speakeasy, and then walk over. We we had to park in Silver Lake, which is legally a better area to park <laughs> than Koreatown. Yeah, it was it was horrible trying to get to Karma yeah. Lounge, and it was also horrible being in Karma Lounge. <laughs> That's what we've done in the past month let's get to this month it's augie it's augie <laughs> by the time you're listening to this i'm sure it's the most miserable temperature you've mm-hmm. ever experienced We're in your life four days into it right now yeah it's getting bad and i'm sure it's only gonna get mm-hmm. worse but yeah so we we thought we'd do something uh to cool you down a little mm-hmm. bit we're gonna be talking about iced cream the cream of the crops the cream of the cows i call it cream of the crops because i'm lactose intolerant <laughs> and I can't have ice cream. So this research was extra painful to me. Me and 65% of the population of Earth who cannot digest. Is that really the number? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. That's sad, sad for you losers. Oh, my girlfriend had ice cream recently and she's like, I feel sick. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I think you're turning lactose intolerant. It happens like it is like, uh, it's like onset. You grow into it. You grow into it. It's adult onset, onset lactose, lactose intolerance. intolerance. Oh, you got type two. <laughs> you can't even look at milk. <laughs> you can't even pet a cow without getting sick. <laughs> I mean, I've seen you've eaten ice cream in front of me since you've discovered your lactose intolerance. Near you, my house. Yeah. <laughs> near my house Running, or some sort yeah. of open field that no one can find me. I can have a little bit, but like I, I can't have obviously shakes. I can't have too much mozzarella. I can't have my favorite cream. type yeah. of ice cream, mozzarella. Look, the 35 percenters, we all love talking about this. So we're going to talk about a few of the ice yes. cream places that you probably know mm-hmm. from LA, but also some you maybe not yeah. know that it started in LA. So take us there, Sketch. Oh boy, here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, sentence one, I have diarrhea from, re- from researching, <laughs> from researching this. this. I'll be talking about Foster's Freeze, okay. which is one of my favorite establishments. Can we also say off the bat, I don't think I've ever eaten at a Foster's Freeze. Really? Because there's not too many. And no. I don't know. I just never went to one for that's, some reason. That's odd. Yeah, it is kind of weird. The Aren't they really good there? The soft yeah. serves are really uh, good. I think that, is it soft serve? Yeah, it's soft serve. Because I'm not a fan of soft serve. That might wow. be why I never went why there. Why do I even, why am I going to do the research? You're not going to. Well, like we're talking about ice cream. Not <laughs> what kind, What's soft serve though? I mean, it, it's not really ice cream. It's more just sort of a disappointment. Uh, tangible. It looks cool. Tangible disappointment. It does look cool. I'll it's give it softer that. and it makes me poo faster. It's got everything I want out of uh, dairy. It goes through me really fast and makes me really sick. It's as if I ate diarrhea. It's too soft for me. I think that's my problem. Diarrhea? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's everyone's complaint with it, but it doesn't feel substantial enough to me. Like, I feel like oh. I could just go to McDonald's and kind of get the same sort of experience. I've never had a soft serve that blew me away. Like, it all right. kind of tastes the same, which yeah. is okay. You're one of those people that thinks ice cream is a full meal and it should be filling. Uh, I'm one of those people that eats ice cream after a full meal. <laughs> 
when I'm already filled. It's ice cream. It's just a treat. It's not calories because I like it. <laughs> not much is known about George Foster other than he proudly served in WW2, whichever one that was, and he came back ready to get into business, any business. He was called in some articles an entrepreneur, and I suppose that's true. In 1946, George Foster decides to go into the ice cream game. He is said to be the first to bring soft serve to the West, but he was by no means the inventor of soft serve. Do you know the story of soft serve? No, I hate that stuff. Why, Wait, would, right. I want to Why would I want to look into it? First, to clarify the difference between soft serve and regular ice cream, because if you ask me, soft serve is just curly and it comes out of a machine looking like poop, <laughs> but not according to science. <laughs> there are two main differences between soft serve and regular ice cream. Soft serve has less milk fat, like three to six percent milk fat, while ice cream ice cream has ten to eighteen percent. That's what people like about it. Like a sign of good ice cream is the milk fat or whatever, the butter fat or whatever it is. Mm. So when you're taking it away, all you're getting is just, this is just like water. This is cold cream. It's it, the other thing makes no sense to me, but it might to you. Soft serve has a higher air content when air is added to soft serve. It, it yeah, as, as it's for, it's added air you're, is added. You're to right. The ice cream this as makes it. a lot of sense <laughs> to me. Finish that sentence and then I'll tell you how I feel about air. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you how I feel about you getting air, <laughs> acting like it's a privilege. When air is added to soft serve ice cream as it is frozen, it also affects the taste and the texture. So the taste and texture is different because of the air. Right. So to speak about another type of ice cream, yeah. gelato, yeah. if it's like puffed up, like fluffed up, that's not good gelato. Like you want it to be sort of like dense and sort of down oh, right. because it's that's just pure, unrefined. That's feel, the hard stuff. <laughs> I could feel the milk film in the back of my throat when I when I drink milk. You shouldn't be drinking milk. That's your problem. I'm not drinking milk. I'm just saying that's you're giving me the effect just to talking about dense cream. Yeah. Dense cream. The butter I, fat. I gotta go to the bathroom. Read this nonsense for me. I gotta go to the bathroom. Read all these facts I have about aeration. <laughs> so the melty effect of soft serve is due to the air content which is controlled by the soft serve machine if I read that correctly. The machine gives it air just before it pours out and looking like poop. So the soft serve was initially invented by Tom Carvel of Carvel's Ice Cream in oh, really? New York. Yeah. It was invented when his ice cream truck broke down on a hot summer day in 1934 <laughs> and the melting ice cream was a sudden accidental hit you're just proving my point that defective dying ice cream is soft serve i want that but melty that's also interesting because i always kind of suspected that soft serve is more of an east coast thing because my parents love soft serve really? and i don't like it and whenever <laughs> you go to new york like it's always like this is the best ice cream place this is just a soft serve cone <laughs> so two years later in illinois dairy queen made their own soft serve machine and started selling that out of a brick and mortar store in 1940 so now we cut back to george foster 1946 seeking success from sweets. He purchased the development rights for the whole state of California from the Dairy Queen, which meant he can open his own Dairy Queens okay. in California. His intentions was like I just said, to open Dairy Queens across the state. But there was an issue. It was either one of the two things and I read both of them. Either he learned that the dairy industry had enacted strict laws controlling the word dairy so he couldn't call it Dairy Queen or the name Dairy Queen was already being used in another fashion in dairy California. Dairy do. <laughs> dairy princess. Heir to the throne. Dairy, dairy next in line <laughs> for royal lineage. Dairy Harry. <laughs> You feeling aerated? <laughs> so anyways, he couldn't call his new franchise that he just paid money for Dairy Queen. So what are you going to do? But either way, he would be selling ice cream out of a place that looked and felt suspiciously like a Dairy Queen, but had a different name. It seems like it was it. <laughs> seems like it would have hindered his ability to Is this gain a Dilly Bar. <laughs> no, it's a Billy Bar. It seems like it would have hindered his ability to gain customers based on brand recognition, but it also seemed like it would work in his favor having his name be the company name. So he changed the name from Dairy Queen to Foster's Old Fashioned Freeze. To Foster's the New King. <laughs> I think that's what kind of um, confused me about it why I thought it was always just kind of like slushy sort of things because the word freeze yeah. to me kind of uh, brings has, it brings certain connotations yeah a freeze is a completely different thing I think it's just like a colder smoothie yeah <laughs> they put too much ice in the smoothie the original name was Foster's Old Fashioned Freeze it later became known as Foster Freeze my family and I for years have called it Fosty Freeze not Foster's not Frosty Freeze Fosty Freeze wait a minute so it's called fo not Foster's just Foster Freeze Foster 
apostrophes. He like later okay. lost the apostrophe. Yes. <laughs> he Apostro- lost the, he lost it to he Dar- lost the Dairy's Queen. Somebody else jumped on it. The first location opened up in Inglewood on La Brea Avenue near 94th Street, 999 South La Brea Avenue. That location is still there, but I believe the structure has completely changed. You were there recently. Yeah, I went, I drove, I was out there, so I stopped by and I thought, man, this place is going to be great. And I thought, nah, the one by my house is better. <laughs> it's still there though. The original <laughs> menu had items like the soft serve, you had malts and shakes, sundaes, orange freezes, root beer floats, and slowly over the next couple of years. did freezes, orange yeah. freezes. Slowly over the next couple of years, the menu expands from frozen treats to foods and Foster starts serving Frozen it. foods. Frozen foods. <laughs> I guess I have a TV dinner in here I can make. Do you like Salisbury steak? Uh-huh. Do, do you, you like kind of corn? Do you like a brownie that was covered in plastic? <laughs> is that what you like? Leave the film on it. So yeah, after that, they start serving burgers and fries and it becomes like a legitimate Southern California hamburger so It just stand. became Dairy Queen. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And it becomes like fully realized with the company's Googie style architecture, which featured angled sky blue roofs, beautiful neon signage, and walk-up windows. So it was like quintessential 50s, 60s yeah. California kind of thing. They were becoming popular and before the end of 1950, Foster had opened up 360 locations statewide. All of those 360 Good locations used a soft serve machine mix from a company called Compton Dairy, which I sadly couldn't find too much about, but I did find an article from, from 1927 saying that Compton was the leading dairy section of the country, which I find interesting. Those Compton cows. Straight out of Compton's <laughs> udders. Anyways. That's what he used to say on milk cartons. Straight, <laughs> straight out, out of Compton's. Compton. <laughs> this milk is straight out of Compton. Nitrates with attitude. <laughs> Anyways, by 1951, Foster buys out of the soft serve game and sells his franchise for a million dollars. Back then was a million dollars. A million dollars has always been, been worth a million That's dollars. a set exchange. He sold it to the Mayenberg Milk Products Company, thus ending a big account for Compton Dairy. The franchise has had many owners over time from all different walks of life, and over the years, the number of locations has dwindled down to 81, with real estate costs in California being the main aspect to blame, as well as the fast food and ice cream company competitions throughout Southern California. Yeah, there's not too many of that, like I was there, saying. And there's, I, I can name five, including the original one. I just kind of pass them randomly yeah. and it never seems like they're open. A hamburger stand is neat, but it's not a drive through in Car Central and that really would keep you alive. It kind of matters. It's hard to keep up with McDonald's and Dairy Queen when you're a Foster's Freeze. You know? <laughs> Classic saying. It's hard to keep up with Dairy Queen and McDonald's when you're just a Foster Freeze. I think that John F. Kennedy said that. That's my John F. Kennedy. It's pretty good. His last words. Luckily in 1994, everybody... <laughs> Get a load of this. Hoo! Dealey Plaza, I'd like um, your attention for a moment. Luckily, in 1994, an agreement was signed with the Al Pollo local chain to serve up Foster's Free Soft Ice Cream yeah. mm-hmm, and other of its products at their locations, which added more than 160 additional locations okay. where the company's products were sold. So, so it's they, a parasite. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a parasite that chicken gets. <laughs> There's a sense of nostalgia around Foster's Freeze for SoCal people. And I'm one of those people. You know, I really have like idyllic memories of Foster's Freeze. My aunt Sue used to live in Atwater. Fossey Freeze? Yeah, Fossey's Freeze. <laughs> My aunt Sue used to live in Atwater and us kids on summer vacation, we'd all walk over. She'd take like six kids to Foster's Freeze and that's the same Foster's Freeze that's in both Pulp Fiction with Butch sees Marcellus Wallace oh, really? across the street and he hits him. Foster <laughs> Freeze is in the background. You saw that happen. That's my Foster Freeze. <laughs> the Glendale location on Grandview and Glen Oaks just closed recently. That was one of the first places I drove to when I started driving oh. on my own. There's so many posts and articles in small town like newspapers and blogs that report how sad people are when their local Foster's closed. There's articles and posts written about how heroes will step up and save of Foster's from demolition. Many of the original 40s locations still stand in Los Angeles area. There's like Burbank, Atwater, Eagle Rock has one, but a lot of them are in the South Bay. You know, there's like Carson, Torrance, Wilmington, Hawthorne. Yeah, a it lot feels of them, like a South Bay thing. Yeah, it's, it has like a beach sensibility yeah, to it. Yeah, it does. Uh, Foster's Freeze has its corporate headquarters in Rancho Cucamonga, so it still is a southern... <laughs> it's the perfect name for a uh, ice cream place to have <laughs> headquarters. Now for a bit of Southern California lore that needs to be addressed. Uh-uh. It's 1964, uh-uh. and the Beach Boys have a hit, Fun, 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 which was a true account of a girl getting her dad 
dad's teeper taken away after meeting Dennis Wilson, the handsomest beach boy and also the only one that surfed. The opening line is, well, she got her daddy's car and she cruised through the hamburger stand now. That hamburger stand has long supposed to be a Foster's Freeze, the one in Hawthorne, although A&W Root Beer Beer is containing that. Oh, come on. That's them. No. A&W, come on. You're more of a Jan and Dean type. <laughs> you knock off wannabe Jan and Dean loser. Foster's have... I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> so on top of the delicious soft serve, Foster's has a delicious burger menu as well. The word. What, what did you, how did you refer to it? <laughs> Foster's has a delicious burger menu. My favorite is the Big Boss, which has onion rings in the burger. There's great hot dogs. What do they call it in France? We're doing. We're talking about Pulp Fiction, right? It's a lay big boss. It's a communist country, so they have they don't have bosses. Yeah, France there. is a communist. <laughs> it's the boss that nobody respects because they're all socialists. No, no, nobody works cheese. over there. There's hot dogs. There's chili, mozzarella sticks, pastrami, burritos at some locations. There's patty mounts. They have their soft serves, like I said. They have them dipped in vanilla and chocolate. Okay, that Delicious. I will give you. That Whoa. A, a soft serve if it's dipped in a hard shell sort of thing. That is good. Can you kiss the ring inside? Thank you. <laughs> Delicious. I, di- I dipped it. <laughs> they have freezes which come with banana berry mocha and root beer they have sundaes and milkshakes and parfaits and twisters what's a twister what's a twister oh it's a twister i think that's the one where they turn it upside down like they serve it to you upside down that's a blizzard oh yeah you're right from a dairy, company a they're not allowed queen. to be a yeah, yeah. They, yeah that's what they did they just stole it since they stole everything else from dairy queen hey. by the way when i said what's a twister i was expecting you to say this is a twister and twist my nipples oh that's funny please do it <laughs> I brought the clothespins. Please do it. The gag's already in my mouth. Please do it, Craig. I beg you. What's a twister? Uh, yeah, that's it. You that's sold awesome. me on it. I really like to go to one. Let's go right Okay. Let's go right All right. Bye. Eat. I'll eat it for you, and you can watch my body just turn into mashed potatoes. I'm going to get into my first one, which probably is the biggest one. It's certainly the biggest one. I mean, it's certainly better than yours. Uh-uh. This actually isn't a place I like that much, but it's definitely the biggest contribution LA has probably made to the world. Whoa. I scream. <laughs> you scream. We all scream for Baskin Robbins. Golly gosh. Started right here. Uh, Go ahead. They started right here in Los Angeles. I had no idea. Me neither. But now I do. And now I'm going to tell you as if I've known my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) This ice cream scoop of a story starts with a man with the unfortunate name for a Los Angeles history podcast, Irvine Robbins. Whoa. He was born December 6th, the day before Pearl Harbor. (laughs) 1917, though, in in Winnipeg, Canada. He could have warned us. So he was born to Polish and Russian immigrants, Arnie and Goldie Chmelnitsky Robbins. That was their name. I don't know where the Robins came from. But anyway, little Irvine himself. Nests. Eggs. Go ahead. Did a bee get them pregnant? Is that (laughs) as far as I'm aware? Little Irvine became an immigrant himself when his family moved to Tacoma, Washington when he was five years old, where his dad opened up the Olympic Dairy Store. A nightmare for you. Yeah. Right next door to the Olympic hole in the ground. (laughs) When he was a teenager, Irvine himself got a job at the dairy making deliveries and sweeping the floor, but eventually they trusted him enough to let him sell the ice cream that they had in the shop. Let me try to think of a perfect analogy, but this is a really bad one. Sometimes serial killers would use kids to lure other kids. That's what they did. They're like, hey, I need you to go out there and just trick kids into eating ice cream. I'm just like you. Come on back in this dairy. (laughs) And that's how he became the Baskin Robbins killer. (laughs) Put the lotion in the basket. (laughs) Baskin Robbins life. Because I'm robbing people's lives. At this point, not too many people were buying ice cream from this store, from his dad's store. Not in general, but from his dad's store. But he realized that if he just marketed the ice cream in a different way, more people would buy it. So what he did was he gave the dishes zippier, more exciting names. Whereas dad was marketing, come get your... 
three scoops of ice cream, a slice of banana, and two kinds of toppings. (laughs) Irvine renamed it to come get your super banana treat. And people bought it. They were like, oh my God, I gotta get it. Uh, I can't even eat bananas and I want it. I'm banana intolerant. (laughs) And they sold like cold hotcakes, but he sold a bunch of sugary bananas. So what? Yeah. What's the big deal? His plan was to get a degree in political science. (laughs) Work with those bananas on uh, Capitol Hill. Am I right? I want to talk about the bananas in Cuba. Oh, and what's happening over the Cuban there? banana crisis. <laughs> Just like John F. Kennedy said. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1939, he graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in political science, yeah. which he <laughs> churned into... Uh, <laughs> he whipped it into something. <laughs> he wanted to go into soft service to the military a little bit later, but we'll get into that. All it got him when he graduated was a job with the bigger dairy company that had bought his dad's dairy store. So he was right back working yeah. at the ice cream shop. And then World War II hit and dairy had to be turned into bullets. So he enlisted... <laughs> political science was turned into bullets. Politics out the window. (laughs) He enlisted in the army, but he had bad vision. So he got stuck doing a nonviolent administrative stuff. So poor guy. uh, Can I at least use a red pen? (laughs) Around this time, though, in 1942, Irvine's sister, Shirley, married a man, a man with the most curious name, Burton Baskin. BB? BB-8. A lot of ice cream. Burton Baskin was born December 17th, 1913. A good old American boy from Strader, Illinois. He was an athletic kid that people called Butch. Uh. Butch Baskin. (laughs) Nice to meet you. I'm going to steal your girlfriend. (laughs) Thank you for coming to Butch Robbins. Baskin and Butches. He was a little renaissance boy. He was also part of the school band, the theater group, and the business club. So he also got into his dad's business working at the Baskin family clothing store, Baskin's Clothing Store. In 1931, he went to the University of Illinois, but come time for that big bullet-making party across the seas, the perfectly visioned Baskin became a lieutenant in the Navy. But it turns out, just like his now brother-in-law Robbins, Baskin had a knack for making ice cream. While he was in the Navy, he traded a Jeep for an ice cream freezer, which I didn't know you could... That's not your property. Dude, there's no engine in that. The engine's in the freezer. Joke's on you. Since he I was, sold my helmet for an ice cream cone. Since he was stationed in the South Pacific, he started experimenting with all the exotic fruits that were around. Whoa, okay. And he was making different ice cream flavors that he would sell to the troops to make money, which I don't get I don't get how the military works. Like you can trade your military issued Jeep for someone else's freezer and then you can just sell things and people have money. Why yeah. what, you, what do you need money for? Why the, aren't you handing out to sold like what some dude has like a buried get, in a in a Let fox me go to the hole. ATM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buried in a foxhole freezing. <laughs> I don't mean to bother you. I know your best friend just got blown in half. Do you want a sorbet? It turned out, though, that Baskin was better at the marketing and business aspect of the ice cream world. But Robbins, his brother-in-law, who was in some pencil-pushing yeah. desk job in undisclosed location America, Robbins was better at the creative end. So he started sending recipes to him during oh the God. war. A lot of guys are like opening up a letter and they're like getting broken up with or like, your baby's been born and here's a picture of girls and this guy's like, how about we mix strawberry and banana? <laughs> Dear John, four scoops of peaches. Oh my God. I can't read the read it to me. Read it to me. Read it to me. <laughs> so that's how the two spent the bloodiest conflict in world history. Mailing recipes to each other and making ice cream in the heart of the Pacific Theater in the middle of Okinawa, the bloodiest battle. Um, What's your war scrapbook like, Grandpa? What did you see during the war? Oh, the blueberries. I want to read his entry in uh, the things they've carried because it's just a freaking soft serve machine. This is all rude, by the way. He was making ice cream. He was fine. So after the war, Robbins decided he wanted to make a career out of ice cream. Robbins, which is the pencil pusher one. Yes. But he had an idea that the best way to sell ice cream wasn't inside of a dairy shop or a grocery store. Instead, he wanted to sell it out of a dedicated ice cream store. Okay. So that was kind of a new idea. He yeah. seemed to like... What, sorry, what year was this? Right after World War II. Okay. There, I mean, there, there were... Hitler's still bleeding in a bunker. Yeah, like, he's still... I gotta open he's up still, the shop now. He's still choking on his cyanide or whatever. Allegedly. <laughs> that 
that look-alike who's choking <laughs> on his son. Um, so he seemed to like California, so he planned to open a shop in Northern California, but on a chance trip to LA, he happened to see a for rent sign at a storefront in Glendale at 1130 South Adams Street. So he cashed in the life insurance policy that his dad got him for his bar mitzvah. And with a whopping $6,000 in his pocket, he opened his very first ice cream store, Snowbird Ice Cream, That's a cute name. which is so funny. Not only that his dad bought him a life insurance policy for his bar mitzvah, <laughs> but that he then he turned cashed around. In it. Dad, this could, is my life now. The boy you knew is dead. Today I am a double man. <laughs> the year was 1945. The date was December 1st, which was almost Pearl Harbor Day. And he had a whopping 21 flavors to choose from. But they didn't make their own ice cream, though. It was just bought by a supplier and sold to customers. But people didn't care because after just three months, he was successful enough to open a second snowbird on his dad's advice. He said, you should do this again. I know, I, I disowned you after you <laughs> cashed in the life insurance. But You're no longer my son, but you're a good businessman. You're not my son. You are a man. That is my business partner. <laughs> um, don't hug me. <laughs> Not much longer after that, he opened a third location. And this is when he started getting bored with just 21 flavors. Yeah. And his old creative streak came back out and he started asking his supplier to make more interesting flavors like pistachio, coconut, pineapple, and butter pecan. Now I remember what the intro was. Mm. We made fun of butter pecan because it's an old people <laughs> flavor. Around this time, his brother-in-law Baskin, the one making cream in the Pacific. Yeah, he's trading ice cream cones for purple hearts. <laughs> Those are made of grape. Um, he got a purple soft serve. So Baskin visited him in LA and Baskin's post-war plan was to go back into haberdashery. But during this visit, Robbins convinced him to start selling ice cream instead. It's a fun way to say clothing. It is. I close a haberdashery mother and I'm working in an apothecary now. That's balderdash. <laughs> I know this may sound like balderdash to you, mother, but I've decided to open a haberdashery. A what? <laughs> the past was stupid. He already had experience with ice cream. So Robbins was telling him, you've done this before and it's more fun to make ice cream than to work with clothes. Yeah. And he said that if we both ran the stores together, we could be making $200 a week. Naked. No clothes. I know uh, you're married to my sister, but <laughs> I wish you had married me. Today, that would be over $2,000 a week they That's could be good. making. That's yeah. pretty good. Baskin agreed, but Robin's dad stepped in yet again with some sage advice. He said... Use some sage. Use some sage in every ice cream <laughs> He warned them not to combine their stores together at once. He said, run them separately, independently, figure out how you like to run a business on your own and not together so that you won't resent each other down the line for okay. having to compromise that's, what you had to do. So that's what they did. Even though they still shared an office in the back room of one of the shops, Baskin decided to call his store Burton's Ice Cream Shop, which opened in 1946 in Pasadena. And by 1948, they had six stores between the two of them. Then in 1949, they bought their own dairy in Burbank so that they wouldn't have to rely on a supplier anymore and could have control over the quality of the ice cream. And most importantly, the flavors being made. This allowed them to start franchising locations and their first of these opened, the first franchise was again open in Glendale. By the end of that year, 1949, they had 43 locations all across Southern California. But as the years went on, they found that too many of the individual stores were making less money than they should have been and that the two of them were becoming more and more isolated from the customers, the bigger they got. So they decided to sell all their locations to those managers and make profits by selling the ice cream they were making at their dairy instead. So that's how they would make money off of that. This made them the first people to franchise an ice cream shop. Okay. They wanted to ensure the quality throughout all their shops by giving the managers ownership stakes in them so that they'd be motivated to keep this going well. But they still wanted to have their own place. So they decided to finally combine the forces and open a store that was run by both of them. They wanted to name it after themselves. But whose name will go first? How would you ever decide? <laughs> 
flipped a coin. Oh, yeah. Came up, heads, Baskin heads. The first Baskin Robbins 31 ice cream opened in 1953. From the start, the shops were all about fun. Yeah. They wanted to make it a fun place to be. Robbins always said, we sell fun, not ice cream. But we also have ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope that you have fun uh, buying the ice cream. But you don't have to pay for the fun, but you do have to pay for the <laughs> ice cream. Their original colors were pink and brown polka dots to give them like a circus clown sort of vibe. They would give kids free cones on their birthday from the start. Oh. They always offered their signature pink tasting spoons to anyone who wanted to taste a flavor because they believed everybody should be able to get a free sample That's nice. of everything. We'll put that to the test. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how uh, big their heart really is, how hungry their heart really <laughs> is for us. They kind of were intimating on their website that they were the first ice cream place to do free samples, but I I don't know about that. That can't be what true. What about Thebes? The first person to have free ice cream was Aladdin. <laughs> we all knew that. So fun and cartoonishness became the brand. That's okay. what it was all about. They were America's favorite neighborhood ice cream shop, and their slogan was, we make people happy. Okay. <laughs> it kind of probably went through a second draft, but that's fine. But what really set them apart was their flavors. Mm-hmm. Now, to begin with, before them, there weren't too many places around that were a business that only sold ice cream. There weren't a lot of them. Yeah. It was usually part of a drugstore or something like that. And on right. top of that, places usually offer maybe five flavors. Baskin Robbins, their whole thing was that they offered 31 yeah. flavors. We got wacky flavors. Yeah, we, we can do anything. wacky flavors. We got we normal got, flavors. <laughs> we got vanilla, off vanilla, uh, darker <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> AKA chocolate. The reason it was. We got everything in sepia tone because it's the 40s. (laughs) They might look the same, but they're all different. We assure you, they taste different. They taste like depression. The reason it was 31 flavors was because their idea was to have a different flavor for you to try every day of the month. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. In reality, there were actually 34 flavors because they didn't count the classics vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate, which their original chocolate was made out of a secret blend of three different cocos. They didn't count that as part of the 31 because those 31 other flavors, they were special. Let's get into the flavors. This is the fun part. They call their ongoing catalog of flavors they've made the flavor library which is a library i'd love to work at (laughs) you don't need to bring that back in three weeks (laughs) oh you didn't lick it did you (laughs) this peppermint is late you broke the binding on my fudge (laughs) you've got your classics like pink bubble gum and robin's personal favorite jamocha almond fudge which took a six foot tall coffee pot to brew coffee to make that thing you could stand in the coffee pot (laughs) if you wanted to and they did you taste something funny you taste something manly tastes like founder. (laughs) There was banana nut, which was the personal favorite of Howard Hughes, who became so obsessed with it that when they were about to discontinue it, he bought a hundred gallons of it. (laughs) And after a few months, he decided, I like French vanilla instead. (laughs) And then he decided he liked a different flavor, a flavor with a little more tang, a flavor he could produce on his own. He likes to drink pee. Got it. Because I was waiting for a joke about long fingernails and you threw pee at me. I was just doing what Howard Hughes taught me. <laughs> Distract him with the nails, throw some pee on him. The silence was so long. I'm like, oh, wait, did he, Howard Hughes make tang? In a sense. Um, he was certainly the first one to bottle it. Then there was a flavor created by Robbins and his wife, Irma, which became their top flavor somehow, pralines and cream, which might as well be butter pecan. It became so associated with them, this pralines and cream, that they had to sue Haagen-Dazs when they started making a praline and cream flavor. Robbins said, I cannot understand why people are so dumb. I'm talking about our competition. <laughs> they can't even copy it right. But what people wouldn't dare copying were the names of their flavors. Yeah. They had Here Comes the Fudge, Holiday Paparazzi, Some Bunny Loves Me, which I guess is rabbit flavored. Yeah. They would come up with flavors to commemorate whatever was going on in the culture. When go-go dancing was popular, they had Coco a go-go. That's cute. When the Dodgers came to LA in 1958, they made Baseball Nut, which had raspberry swirl in the middle for the raspberries blown at umpires. They put a Daniel level font into <laughs> that pun. I'm telling you, this is my audition <laughs> to work for the naming department at Baskin <laughs> Robbins. There was gold medal ribbon for the 1980 Olympics. They also had banana bunt 
decathlon, first down fudge, and olympican. How do you feel about fun names for food? If it's ice cream, I'll allow it. But if I want to order a burrito and it's like, you want the burro, burro, burro burrito, like, that, leave me alone. I'm it, not going to say that. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, like, I don't like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have the Chester P. Worthington <laughs> strawberry. If it's obvious what the flavor is, if it's like peanut butter flavor and they're like, you want the PP peanut butter? Yeah. Or do you want, yeah, I'll have a scoop of peanut butter. Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. And they won't take your money out of your hand until they yeah. say it. Say it. I, we made it. Say it. There's one more thing that has to happen for the transaction to be complete. <laughs> say the name. Say the name. And the lights uh, turn off. And yeah. The door locks. <laughs> <laughs> There's cops outside. He's not saying it. <laughs> take, out, take out the tranquilizer. <laughs> Use the instant kill code. Speaking of instant kill code, for the release of Thunderball, the James Bond movie, <laughs> <laughs> there was 0031 secret bonded, which doesn't make that much sense. No. But the 0031 is kind of fun, okay. which, by the way, I didn't realize it was 0031 until last night. And I was like, why is it 0031? <laughs> I guess it's numbers and James Bond has a number. They had Jack Lemon Ice. I'd order that. <laughs> Charlie Brownie, Last Mango in Paris. Okay, no. 2001, A Spice Odyssey. How do you feel about that personally? I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I'd be proud to order that. Don't try 2010, the year we made contact with our ungloved hands onto your ice cream. It's a long title, but it makes sense. There's Sesame Sweet, Miami Ice, White 2K Chocolate Overload. What's that supposed to be? Y2K. Oh, duh. And then Computer Overload? I don't know. Yeah. One guy said to Baskin, whoever thinks of all these flavors must be plum nuts. Then they came up with the plum nuts <laughs> flavor. When the Beatles came to America, a reporter asked him how they were going to commemorate the occasion, and he had no idea. And he said, uh, Beetle Nut. And it was in stores two days later. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fritz, you're just I could, putting nuts in oh it. Oh, my God. I could see him going into the office like, you won't believe what I just said. Everybody, I know it's I Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know we've been making turkey ice cream for three years now. <laughs> just trying to perfect it. But you got to put that on hold. I'm so sorry. I messed up. What are we, you going to call it when the Beatles have broken up? Uh, Yoko. Yoko. <laughs> oh, nut. Yoko Nut. Yoko oh, Nut. nut. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robbins, John Lennon just got murdered. Mark David Cherry. Um, nut. John F. Kennedy's just been killed. Who? The who? man himself? By the mid-70s, they were coming up with 15 new flavors a year. For the Bicentennial, they had Yankee Doodle Strudel, Minuteman Mint, and Valley Forge Fud. Fudge, not Fud. For Elmer Fud, they had <laughs> Valley Forge Fud. It was Valley Forge flavored. For the Moon Landing, they had Lunar Cheesecake. For the Fall of the Soviet Union, they had Gorba Chocolate. Oh my god, it had a hammer and sickle sticking out of it? Yeah, you have to eat it. It's a little eat dangerous, it. but you gotta eat it. When Bill Clinton ran for president, they had Saxy Candidate. They okay. also had Acceptance Peach, Geo peanut butter and candy date impeach him <laughs> unimpeachable <laughs> chocolate collusion all these flavors had to be vetted and approved by a man named les moffat which his is, name is a problem he, he himself was created by robin <laughs> these flavors were created by anybody friends family employees even customers would come in and pitch flavor ideas and if your flavor made it into stores you were given a golden ice cream scoop which Whoa. i would love to have that but with only room for 31 flavors not every flavor can last the ones that have been retired either permanently or temporarily are put in deep freeze, they call it. And people... Shot into space or what? Yeah, it sounds like so Zod. dramatic. People have been known to picket the stores when their flavor gets taken away. Like, I, I want my Gorba chocolate. <laughs> but even fun-loving Baskin-Robbins, they have their limits. And some flavors never make it out of the lab, such as ketchup, bagel and lox, Tarzan and the grapes, Sophia lemon, oh. nudie fruity, grape Britain, can't elope tonight, <laughs> berry Goldwater, and I kid you not, statutory grape. 
You're kidding. I'm not joking. They let Howard Even, Stern name one? Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis is in town. <laughs> they currently have over 1,300 flavors in their back catalog, and people love it. In 1954, they... 100 t- for each day of the year. Go ahead. <laughs> in 1954, they took their ice cream to the LA County Fair to compete against their more national competitors. This was before they were really big. They won a gold medal and went on to win gold medals every single year really? after that. They've tried to intimate that they were the first to offer hand-packed quarts of ice cream, flavor ribboning, mousse-textured ice cream, and also adding other desserts into ice cream but i want non-soft serve proof of that before i'll go saying that on a podcast i I can't don't quote us but as much as we wanted to keep this little chain to ourselves all scoops have to leave the coop sometime the first location outside california opened in phoenix in 1959 by the mid-60s they had over 400 stores in the united states the first international location opened in 1971 in toronto and they quickly moved into belgium japan saudi arabia korea even australia in 1973 they do we even know what to do with it surf swirls the other direction in Australia. In 1973, there was a new location opening somewhere every other day. That's crazy yeah. that every other day what of the year. <laughs> they kept getting wet. <laughs> they are now the largest ice cream chain in the world yeah. with over 5,800 locations in 52 countries, over 2,500 of those in the United States. All of these locations are franchises. They were sold in 1967 for $12 million to the somehow rulers of South America, the United Fruit Company, then to Jay Lyons Company of London for 30 $37 million in 1973. They are now currently owned by Duncan Brands, and their headquarters is now in the far-flung suburb of Los Angeles, Canton, Massachusetts. <laughs> their other claims to fame include setting the world record for the largest ice cream scoop pyramid in the year 2000, made up of 3,100 scoops. In 2004, a franchise owner named Mitch Cohen set the record for the most ice cream prepared in one minute. He did 19 cones in one minute. Whoa. And they also have the title of the biggest cup of ice cream in 2005. It weighed 8,000 865 pounds of pure vanilla. They also paid for the exhibit on ice cream history at the Department of Agriculture. P. Diddy's first job was acting in a Baskin Robbins commercial really? when he was two years old. Former employees include Julia Roberts, Randy Quaid, Rosie O'Donnell, Bobby Flay, and Barack Obama, who also took Michelle there on their first date. Wow. But what about those two rascally old men behind all of this? Yeah. Both of them embraced the ice cream lifestyle in the way most of us can only dream of. Burt Baskin lived in Studio City, so he was often seen at the Studio City Baskin Robbins Robin's location getting ice cream, even though he had a full ice cream fountain built into their home. <laughs> he was also on the original board for KCET, but he died very young on December 24th, 1967 at age 54 of a heart attack, mm. a day before Christmas and a week after his birthday, which is kind of oh. sad. He's buried at Home of Peace Memorial Park in East LA. Irvine Robbins, meanwhile, was even more into being the ice cream guy. In the early days, he and his wife had three kids. So before they became rich, they were mostly living off ice cream. <laughs> his <laughs> wife said, with a few vegetables, it's a complete complete meal. You know. <laughs> well, ask the Department of Agriculture. <laughs> when he got more money, he bought a new car with the license plate 31BR. He had a boat called the 32nd Flavor. <laughs> that flavor is Damn. excessive wealth. <laughs> yeah. And they had a house in Encino at 17116 Adlon Road with a pool shaped like an ice cream cone. Yeah. You can see it on Google Maps if you look at it. Yeah. You see the ice cream cone. He retired from the company in 1978, but for the rest of his life, he was still eating three or four scoops of ice cream a Dude. day. He would put a scoop of banana ice cream on his cereal in the morning, which is probably why his son abandoned the ice cream world and became a health food advocate. <laughs> he lived up until kind of recently. He died May 5th, 2008 in Rancho Mirage at age 90, but he seems like he seemed like a really sweet guy yeah. who genuinely loved making ice cream. And aside from novelty license plates, a boat named after ice cream and an ice cream shaped pool, he was pretty down to earth. My favorite quote of him, he said, uh, there I was, <laughs> a little punk from California, <laughs> flying into places like Chicago on a jet plane. A jet plane! <laughs> <laughs> the legacy he was most proud of 
of though he was exposing people to new types of fun yeah. and making people a little more adventurous even if it was just in the flavor of their ice cream choices yeah. so he that was his way of just kind of making enjoy life a little bit yeah that's great that being said i'm not a huge fan of baskin robbins why not it's expensive mm-hmm. and it also doesn't taste as good as other places yeah in it, my opinion it's sort of the mcdonald's of ice cream and yeah. it's just sort of like it fills all the needs that ice cream do it checks the boxes of what ice cream is yeah you, you didn't bring up ant-man one time and that's weird what me. does he have to do with this no, he's worked at baskin robbins <laughs> yeah. oh yeah he's the other celebrity i forgot to mention <laughs> he had his first date with the wasp but um, <laughs> okay you should be lucky i know that much about ant-man i know i'm You're surprised welcome. so what's your next place i'm still hungry i want more ice cream the place i'm going to talk to next i once took daniel there and <laughs> i'm turning into the parking lot and before i'm even parked before i'm even in the parking space the door's open and he's running out of the car to get a banana to split. get a banana because i was so hungry and i was so looking forward to being there <laughs> the, was the, the car wasn't even in the spot it was still turning and the door was open you're like i gotta go i'll see you inside okay you got your own though i'm not gonna order for you and you're paying no. i'll say i'm putting it on your tab i'm gonna be talking about fossilman's ice cream in alhambra this is a good place this is a this good, is a good this place this is an honest place fossilman's ice cream history goes back a hundred years to 1919 the tale begins with christian fossilman and it begins in waverly iowa the fossilman brewery which had been established in 1883 by his father peter brewery. fossilman a brew master hailed from germany so they or his father hailed up- or hailed it was 19 i'll never forgive him <laughs> <laughs> it was 1883 so they weren't hiling yet but between 1880 to 1890 there was a statewide ban on making and selling alcohol it was like a prequel to prohibition wait a minute in germany or in 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 iowa oh okay okay they is bottle- this germany no it's iowa <laughs> <laughs> welcome to iowa show me your papers <laughs> so the fossilman brewery became the waverly bottling works and they started cooking up ginger ale soda mm. waters root beer lemon sours nice drinks for nice people <laughs> his son christian this is okay so there's peter who's the father now his son christian his <laughs> boy <laughs> christian <laughs> His son Christian was already getting a taste for the business helping at his family's bottling plant. He had gone to a bottler's convention in Toronto and there was a... Yeah, he got a glimpse of an ice cream making machine. So he bought it and he brought it back to Iowa where he began producing ice cream, which he would freeze using blocks of ice from the nearby Cedar River. So now the Waverly... Ew. He would just like cut blocks of ice out of the river and then use it to freeze the cream or the ice cream, whatever he's making. (laughs) Disgusting. Where did he get the cream? What river was that from? (laughs) (laughs) It's like negative 1901. Like there's like nothing (laughs) happening. Like they have nothing. Negative 1901. Yeah, it's like so far in the past. (laughs) Which is also the temperature. (laughs) So now the Waverly Bottling Works could now sell dairy products and ice cream but instead of selling to just other shops christian decided to open up his own shop and that was the first fossilman's ice cream in there in waverly in 1919 while still managing a family of seven children four boys and three girls so so it's not from los angeles well we get popular in los angeles hmm. Hmm. This is borderline. Hmm, let me go over my notes. Hmm. Where's, and where's Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> now, is that part of Los Angeles? <laughs> Changes in cold storage technology that at the time being an icebox or freezer meant that he didn't need to be linked to the Cedar River icebox anymore. Somewhere along these lines, an idea began to form about selling ice cream, but not in Iowa. Instead, he'd be taking his cold treat and selling it at a place where it was endlessly summer. So in 1924... <laughs> How come this river's not freezing? <laughs> so in 1924, the Fossilman family moved along with their business to Los Angeles, specifically Pasadena. And it seemed at first he was just making the dairy products and selling them to stores wholesale but after about 10 years in 1936 christian and his son bill opened up the first retail shop the west coast fossilman's ice cream parlor at 1515 fair oaks avenue near east howard street there's now a convalescent home there the business became so lucrative that he was able to begin distributing products such as milk butter cream and ice cream out of a with a fleet of 20 trucks the heir apparent bill fossilman got married to a woman named mary and then almost immediately took off to serve for four years in the navy in world war ii that's that's the way you do it (laughs) all ice cream and have to fight in the war marry me you'll never see me again <laughs> bye when he came back to the states after hitler was 
killed. Gina. <laughs> look alike. <laughs> I put that mustache on anybody. Kind of look like Heather. He continued putting energy to the family business with the help of his siblings, in particular Bob and Jim Fossilman. So over the next ten years, Bobbleheads. Uh, Bobbleheads. <laughs> Bobblehead Fossilman. <laughs> over the next ten years, Fossilman's opened up four more stores: Alhambra on Main Street in 1941, Highland Park, and Glendale in 1946, with a different son running their own branch. The Alhambra Parlor also served as a production facility, so the ice cream and dairy items would be made there in the shop. For years, Fossilman's was the local hangout and watering hole serving their community as well. And later in years to deal with people seeking meals for lunch breaks, food items were added to Fossilman's menu and that transformed it into a typical like old-fashioned ice cream and coffee shop. It was like the ideal Main Street USA ice cream parlor for many years in mm -hmm. Southern California. Trouble comes in the 1970s when all of the store's popularity began to wane. And in 1974, the Mothership store in South Pasadena was part of a structure that was set to be demolished and redeveloped and there were no plans on re-establishing a Fossilman's there. So the original store was destroyed and a plaque now stands there commemorating it what uh, flavor is it um i haven't licked it recently but last time <laughs> i had it tasted like everyone's hands is that a flavor <laughs> like palm the two other locations glendale and highland park also closed their doors around the same time and the wholesale business of fossilman's dropped down to 10 customers <laughs> the only store left was the alhambra location and that also housed the production facility so this was like the last stand of fossilman's it should also be said that in 1979 fossilman's was used in a deleted scene in the horror movie phantasm anyway the family business was in serious it, you're right that should also be said it should also be said that David <laughs> Klein rented a corner of the Alhambra store to first sell his candy creation Jelly Belly brand Jelly Beans named after folk hero did you know that Jelly Belly was named after Lead Belly or inspired Wait a minute. how much of this is true that's true he didn't invent jelly beans the jelly belly started in a mm -hmm. corner of, of fossilman and it's named after hutter lead belly yeah what yeah this is too much i wasn't ready for this information. i wasn't ready either i'm like okay so anyways fossilman's is in serious trouble it's now time for the third generation so first you had christian who opened it then his son bill and his brothers bob and jim so now it's christian's grandsons i, I can't really track down when they took over but they took over i want to say late 80s early 90s and it's time for john and chris fossilman who are 21 and 23 years old to start taking over their family business. They bought out their dad and uncles and now they were the managers of Fossilman's Ice Cream and their one humble location in Alhambra. They saw how the business was run and they knew changes had to be made to become more profitable and survive. They also needed to hold on to their granddad's business philosophy. Use the best locally sourced ingredients. Sell ice cream. Sell ice cream. <laughs> make it cold. Make sure people... Then sell it. <laughs> no matter what you do, just sell a vanilla too. First comes the ice cream, <laughs> then comes the power, and then comes the drippings on the floor. I don't like... I mean, it, it feels like one of those things is like as my grandfather said use the best locally sourced ingredients yeah sound but like yeah. that's as my grandpa said make it good make sure your food tastes good but they had to stick to and like sell it for money <laughs> or you could trade cows for it granddad came from another time they were trying to stick to their grandfather's sort of philosophy about this whole ice cream business which is like use locally sourced ingredients all natural stuff no corn syrup no preservatives and make small batches by hand with as much butter fat as possible they see no soft serve get out of town they don't know what they're talking get about get out of town grandpa yeah your grandpa's they, crazy there's more fosters than fossilmans out there. They worked on building up their wholesale business again and targeting upscale wholesale and food service industry stuff. Another incredible helpful thing they did was to go out and understand the changing demographic of their area, Alhambra. Alhambra has a very large Asian and Latino population. Mm. So Fossilman started crafting ice cream flavors based on those markets, whipping up and serving flavors such as Oaxacan chocolate, horchata, dulce, Oaxaca chaca, dulce de leche, red bean, lychee, green tea, mm. taro root, and even a foray into Midori wasabi ice cream in which they used a pound of wasabi. When, Greg, I don't like this. Stop talking now. I don't like other cultures. I know that's what Can't this is about. <laughs> 
Again. Did you say Asian and Latino? Make America Vanilla again, please. <laughs> the store was kept incredibly ornate, dare I say old-timey, and appears very authentically like an ice cream parlor of a bygone era mm-hmm. because the business opened there in 1941, but the building itself was from 1905, and mm-hmm. it sits between an Acura dealership and a Wells Fargo. Oh, <laughs> also from 1905. Also from Wells Fargo, maybe, but definitely Acura. Oh, also the Wells Fargo, it does all the business out of an old covered wagon. <laughs> also, when I say the store's old-timey, pay attention to this. Cash only. Shooting very ahead <laughs> to the present day, Fossilman now boasts more than 600 accounts in Southern California, as well as hawking soft serve and sorbets to Northern California. Mm, is this on hawking when you're talking about soft serve? Hawk, 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 because I eat it so easily because it's easy to eat. So they start selling stuff as far as Northern California, Nevada, Colorado, and Texas. There are a lot of places in town that also serve Fossilman's, and they come in all sizes and areas. Some of LA's most exclusive restaurants, hotels, private clubs, and other ice cream shops might even sell Fossilman's under their own brand names. Yeah. You can get Fossilman's served to you at restaurants like The Counter, Jones Coffee house, the Mel Dog House serves a lot of Fossilman's ice cream. That's what that's what I was gonna say. You see Fossilman's being sold in other places more than you actually know that Fossilman's is a place. Exactly, yeah. And also a lot of places apparently will say they're serving you Fossilman's, but serving you like a cheaper like a Baskin Robbins or a Thrifties. Um, uh Let's not get, you know, come on. It might be Foster's Freeze. But to me, seeing that they serve Fossilman's ice cream, it's like a stamp of like, yeah, authentic, like local pride. Local pride and also like, oh, this ice cream's going to be good. I can't yeah. have it, but yeah, I'm glad for true. you. You're eating history. I hope you're happy. <laughs> you're eating, Grandma. Chris and John are still running things and not just managing. They, they being the brothers and about 40 employees, they get to the shop as early as 7 a.m. and start the process of making between 2,000 to 2,500 gallons of ice cream every week. The ice cream is batch made and hand stirred just like it was 100 years ago when their grandfather started the business. Mm. It's heavy on buttercream and all the ingredients mm. are natural mm. with no fillers. Almost all of the milk and cream and other greens used All in killer though. Almost all of the milk and cream and other ingredients used in the ice cream are locally sourced from California-based companies. So the production room at Fossilman's is about 600 square feet where all the ice cream is made in four. It's tiny. It's really small, right? Yeah. Like the store is small. That's barely bigger than where I live. You know, I have a wacky idea. <laughs> Moving to Fossilman's. <laughs> it's an upgrade. I have a question. Did you serve in World War II though? <laughs> According to my official documents, yes. <laughs> I have my, a medal of honor. My name uh, is Dick Whitley. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they make the ice cream in four Emory Thompson batch freezers. Their storage vat, which is original from the third holds 225 gallons of ice cream base which is a rich and frothy concoction of only four ingredients cream milk sugar and a vegetable based stabilizer made for Fossilman's by uh, Scott Brothers Dairy in Chino which uses the same recipe that Christian Fossilman created in Iowa almost 100 years ago in 2009 a writer for the Guardian said that the Fossilman's milkshake is the best in the world for his list on the Guardian it's a well-loved and well-revered ice cream shop and it's talked about like it's the pinnacle of the city like there's so much love in town for Fossilman's my grandma lived in Alhambra and I remember being there out there for summers when my aunt and her would take us out it was like one thing to go to thrifty so that's clearly just ice cream to shut us up while they were shopping but if we were told that we were interesting that you say that something like that it's so incorrect but okay (laughs) if we were told we were going to fossilman's which is a rare treat that's a stop we we, you know we got dressed up we put suits and ties (laughs) and comb our hair that's barely an exaggeration (laughs) we're going to ice cream church Uh, fossilman's is sacred ground in los angeles and in recent news there's a new fossilman's location that's set open in glendora fossilman's has a pretty wide range of flavors and products ice cream cones soft serves sorbets root beer floats banana splits shakes and malts freezes brownie sundaes ice cream sandwiches ice cream cakes ice cream pies they have flavors like horchata 
taro, banana walnut, cappuccino, butter pecan, <laughs> English toffee, French vanilla bean, pink champagne, pink grapefruit, as well as all the normal flavors. You're being a little uh, intolerant by saying normal flavors. <laughs> How about the cis flavors? <laughs> God created three flavors. <laughs> they have monthly specialty flavors. The special flavor of August is boysenberry, kiwi, strawberry, sorbet. Mm. Fossilman's is at 1824 West Main Street in Alhambra. They are open late, Monday to Saturday, 10 to 10, and Sunday, 1130 to 10. It's summer, people. Treat yourself to a scuba ballet history. That's that is beautiful. That was beautiful. Well, you know, I have a, a certain way of writing that people feel inspired by, and they they're moved and they that come people, up to be in the streets and they're uh, saying, "You're Chun You're Flannery O'Connor." And I said, "Yeah." Surprise! I'm O. Henry. <laughs> it is a really good place. It, I mean, of all the sort of local, I mean, that is kind of the pinnacle. It is true that. Because I'm, I'm never going to Hambra. Exactly. But yeah. it's you can see other places selling fossilmans, but it's not quite the same. It always feels a little. Yeah, the shop is really nice. So like being there in this old timey shop, getting really good ice cream, cash only. Uh, having to go to Wells Fargo to take money out, and they charge you three extra dollars. <laughs> going and, you know, to, like, is ice cream worth it? And then going to Acura with all that cash. <laughs> I meant to put out twenty dollars and pulled twenty grand out. Not gonna go buy a car because I have any cash. I don't want to be caught walking around with all this cash <laughs> in my pocket. I'll take an car. Acura. <laughs> that way, no one will rob me. <laughs> it is a special place to it, go to the, it, the one time i've gone yeah there. i think that like it's one of those things so we're gonna be in alhambra we're gonna go to the palace theater which isn't there anymore then we're gonna go watch our car that really googie car wash and we might as well stop at fossilman's let's get to my next one please our final stop <laughs> on this ice cream tour of los angeles i'm jumping with joy because i cannot wait for you to tell this story i scream you scream <sighs> you did this already we all scream oh my god for thrifties. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to talk about my personal favorite of this whole group. Uh, Fossilman's is great, but you can't beat thrifties. You, you really you can't. You can't, you can't we'll get but, to why you can't exactly. I'm going to write down cherished memories. <laughs> I'm going to write down no one's ever at the ice cream booth, so I have to wait for a pharmacist to come serve me ice cream. I only want someone who has a PhD to serve <laughs> me my ice cream. Thrifties is the place that tastes as good as it costs. This story begins much like my own personal story with two Jewish brothers. <laughs> I don't know, brother. I was my own brother. I was my own <laughs> my Jewish brother. My parents were brothers. <laughs> Harry Boron was Boron on February 22nd, 1887 in New York City. And his brother, Robert, New York City. <laughs> his brother, Robert, decided to join the party three years later, August 23rd, 1890. There was really not a lot known about these guys until they moved to Los Angeles. And in the year 1919, they opened up a shop called Boron Bros. It was right next to Fossil Man. Fossil Man. Boron <laughs> It was a wholesale drug warehouse at 412 South Broadway downtown that built up mm-hmm. a customer base for a decade, just drugstore. So, sorry, where was it at? 412 South Broadway. Okay. Can you picture that? Yeah. What check cashing place is that now? That's the one with that's yellow. <laughs> it's not on the corner, but it's pretty close to the corner. I took Mikey there one time. They were going pretty good for a decade, build up your business, then the depression hit. Gosh darn it. You got that dust bowl everywhere. You got, you got dust bowl in my ice cream? <laughs> There's poor people in my ice cream. <laughs> that gives me an idea. My father climbed to the 15th scoop of a vanilla fudge and jumped off because he lost the family farm. Go ahead. During this time, no comment. During <laughs> during this time, you're going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> during this time, a lot of the pharmaceutical sellers during the depression that they had depended on for their drugstore business, they went out of business. Okay. So they decided they didn't want to have to rely on anyone anymore yeah. for their own success or failure. So in 1929, they became a drugstore themselves and they called their new store Thrifty Cut Rate 
drugstore. Before they were a warehouse, now it's a store. Okay. At first, they couldn't do any prescription drugs, and they also couldn't sell alcohol because of prohibition. So all they were selling was over-the-counter pills over and tobacco and toiletries. What? Over-the-counter ice cream. What? <laughs> do you have prescription strawberry? <laughs> but their prices were so much lower than everyone else's that they managed to thrive during the Depression. Yeah. Their slogan was, save a nickel, save a dime, save a thrifty every time. Whoa. Save a dollar and much more at your thrifty drugstore. Yeah, it needs to be like four lines less, guys. No, you had time back then. <laughs> what else are you No one was do? doing anything in the Depression. <laughs> Before you confess, make sure that you repeat the slogan uh, for thrifties. I condemn you to 10 thrifty slogans, <laughs> or whatever they say in church. Since they were self-reliant, they were able to make their prices so low that other stores got so upset about it, they made the city set a minimum price structure on items. That's Whoa. how low they were. How did they do that? They had their own, they got high on their own supply. They could charge whatever they wanted because they had so little overhead, but they were still so successful that by 1935, they formed the thrifty drugstores company to oversee their now 22 locations. Some of these now containing grills to buy lunch Ooh. and also soda fountains complete with iced cream. That's that cold milk stuff. That's that stuff that's not soft serve. <laughs> but in these early that good then. But in, in these <laughs> early days they got their ice cream from different suppliers so it wasn't the thrifty ice cream okay. we know now. But the Borans ever obsessed with the best stuff at the lowest price. They wanted a way to make sure they could control the quality of their ice cream and of course the price as well. So in 1939 they bought the old plant for the Borden ice cream You're company. Kidding. It's confusing. They had this daughter who <laughs> had an axe with her. Lizzie Borden took three licks whatever the stupid limerick is so this place was at 915 Mansfield Avenue in Hollywood and they turned it into the biggest automatic ice cream factory in Los Angeles Whoa. it opened in 1940 so now they had complete control over the quality consistency of their ice cream and also what flavors they could make which they became known for not crazy like Baskin Robbins but also not standard yeah. like whatever you talked about uh, they had things like Rocky Road fruitcake grape pineapple grape pineapple <laughs> and they were very serious about quality control which is why they put out ice cream that became well-respected around town as being of high quality, but also being really cheap. So while people loved it, it still had a reputation of being the poor man's ice cream okay. around town. They started selling their ice cream to other shops too, but a lot of places didn't want their customers knowing they were charging high prices for poor people ice cream. <laughs> like at upscale restaurants also... Ferrell's for a little bit. Yeah. They had it delivered to them in a pickup truck with unmarked cartons so nobody <laughs> would know they were just selling them thrifty ice cream. The number of hungry teenagers late at night they had to kill who saw their secret. We got the City Hall gang on this. They're calling Two Gun Davis. You gotta cover this one up. They saw our shipment of Tutti Frutti. <laughs> we're gonna uh, break some necks. But meanwhile the ice cream was winning gold medals at the California State and LA County Fair every year alongside Baskin Robbins. Yeah. They're emitting all these gold medals. The way you could tell it was thrifty ice cream though was if it came in one one of its signature cylindrical scoops. I love that. I love that scoop style. They started doing that in the 50s and they're very protective. Only officially licensed resellers get to use those Whoa, scoopers. Really? You can't, you're, you can't you're, buy one from... It's very hard to buy one of those things. They want to protect their brand because you affiliate that shape. Like, yeah. oh, it's thrifty. That's it's a thrifty thrifties. scoop. Why does it taste like garbage? <laughs> oh no, it's a thrifty scoop. The rest of the store that was attached to this ice cream heaven, the drugstore yes, that yes. is, they started becoming more and more dominant in the city. By 1942, they already had 58 locations, most of them in Los Angeles, and they opened their first self-service store on Broadway, which was very popular, which I was trying to wrap my head around what a self-service drugstore is. Like a Menchie's? No, 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 not ice cream, just oh. like a self-service drugstore, which is to us is just a, a drugstore. Store. Yeah, it's just like a... But back then it was like, you come in, what do you want? I'll get it oh, for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Everything's just, in cabinets and stuff yeah, yeah, behind exactly. me. Yeah, exactly. In apothecary. Yeah. Balderdash. Then post-war, they started moving into the suburbs that were popping up 
in the form of huge super drug stores. Yeah. During the civil during the the civil, civil during the civil war, everyone needed their ice cream. <laughs> during this whole civil rights era where drug stores were becoming a battleground yeah. for race relations, oh, right, Thrifty right. actually had a very progressive code of rights for all of its employees. Really? So they were they were they were a good place. Okay. By 1964, they had 238 locations, and around this time, they merged with Payless drug stores and became even bigger. Then in 1971, they bought Big Five and Whoa. became even bigger bigger. They became the biggest drugstore chain on the West Coast and the fourth biggest in the country. And all these locations had a place to buy thrifty brand ice cream inside of them. So to keep up with this demand, they needed a bigger factory, which they found over three acres at 19146 Telstar Avenue in El Monte in 1976, which is still open today. I would, I want a tour. I would kill for a tour <laughs> of that factory. The plant was making around 30 flavors and was fully computerized. So it was extremely efficient and as always rigid in their quality control rules. So the ice cream always maintained high high quality flavor. In 1987, there was the Great Summer of 87 Ice Cream Taste Test <laughs> put on by the Fresno Bee, where they gave a blind taste test of the top ice cream bands to a group of strangers that they selected just based on their names. Some of the people they chose were Francis and Arthur Cohn, Glade Hershey, <laughs> Haley Fudge, Gary Sunday, Christy Topping, Anthony Malt, and Pat Pistachio. These were real people that they found, and they gave them all these unmarked ice cream. They sound like they killed people in Clue. Yeah. <laughs> they, or they could have. They're all suspects for sure. Innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> so thrifty ice cream was put up to the test against places like Hagen dazs Dryers, and Baskin Robbins. So it was a blind taste test. You didn't yeah. know what you're having. Thrifty ice cream took the top prize with 612 points. The second place was Hagen dazs All they had was 545 points. So they blew Loser. they blew the competition That's away. Great. In 1988, they won 24 gold medals at the LA County Fair. <laughs> there were a few flavors that didn't last very long, like avocado, apricot, mango, strawberry shortcake, which sounds pretty good. But there's one flavor we'll mention just briefly. But I could spend six years of podcasts just talking about this flavor alone. Chocolate malted crunch. Whoa. I love chocolate malted crunch. That might your, be my favorite ice cream. If I needed to boil your entire personality into one phrase, that's three words. It's, it's those. I, chocolate <laughs> malted human. Those malt balls that provide the titular crunch are made specifically and only for thrifty ice really? cream. One guy who works at the stores, he says that if they ever run out of flavor, people just pick another one, except when they run out of chocolate malted <laughs> crunch. He said, if we are out of that, kids fall on the ground in a seizure and their parents quickly start looking for another Rite Aid. I've been there. That, it, yeah, it's, you were that child. I, That's your mother's testimony. I, yeah. I have a very reliable source that says, <laughs> but what's that? What's that I said? Rite Aid, I said? Where yeah. did Thrifty go? Yeah. Shut up follow this long list of dates. In 1986, they were bought by Pacific Enterprises, which also ran SoCal Gas. But not long after this, things started going downhill because newer, cheaper stores started popping up as competition to thrifty drugstore. And pharmacies started appearing in grocery stores, which was even more convenient. But they still managed to ride their momentum into the 90s, where they had over a thousand stores in 10 states, including 150 locations in Mexico. But the Rodney King riots hit thrifty kind of hard when a couple of the locations were burned to the ground and 19 of them were looted and their headquarters got surrounded and set on fire but they managed to extinguish it. It's funny that they're a signature of a being an LA brand because they got damaged in the Rodney King <laughs> riots. Four of them also got burned down during the Watts riots. <laughs> 
So that financial hardship, like it would cost a lot of money to rebuild yeah. these things that got damaged. And on top of that, they were already on a downward slope. So that forced them to be sold not long after the Rodney King riots to a company called Leonard Green and Partners. But in 1996, they were bought by Rite Aid. And the slow renaming mm-hmm. process began until 2001. The final thrifties was now a Rite Aid. That hurt me. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah. And Hughes is gone. The price Club became... Costco. Pick and Save became... Pick and Save. That's what it was before. That was a, but the Price Club did become Costco. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Pick and Save. Pick and Save became... Big Lots? I don't know. Yeah, Big Lots. That's what it is. <laughs> but they kept the ice cream station named Thrifty inside of the Rite Aids because right. the brand name was so strong. Yeah. There's over 500 Rite Aids still sell Thrifty ice cream all over California, but they also sell to other vendors. A company called Bon Suisse, based out of Poway, they buy 800,000 gallons of Thrifty ice cream a year Damn. and distribute it to restaurants, ice cream shops, hotels, grocery stores, prisons, all, which if, if that's what prison is, sign me up. <laughs> all over, I did kill that lady in the alley. All over California, Nevada, Arizona, Mexico. This past July, they actually started selling it on the East Coast, but only in tub form. They don't get the scoops. Okay. The Boren brothers are long gone by even the 90s. They were you long gone. You mean people gone. who set up business in 1890 are dead yeah. now? Those people who were born out of a Civil War <laughs> celebration copulation. They were, they were cradled by Abraham Lincoln as babies. Yeah. I mean, they're dead now. The people who Abraham Lincoln was their godfather to, they're gone. <laughs> their uh, last sight was a plane in the air. <laughs> they died of a heart attack <laughs> when the, someone turned on a light bulb. <laughs> Harry died in 1969. Robert died in 1987. They're both buried at Home of Peace in LA, which is apparently oh. the only place ice cream people can be buried. <laughs> but Thrifty Ice Cream has a lot of special memories for anyone who grew yeah. up in Southern California. Their recipes have stayed the same for over 50 years, and they're always made with California milk. It's $2 a scoop now, but even as late as 1975, it was only five cents for a scoop of ice cream. A guy who works in the factory says he can guess how old you are based on how much you think a scoop of ice cream costs. But it's the combination of that value and that quality that makes Thrifty so important. When you could easily pay seven or eight dollars for a scoop at Salt and Straw or like Wanderlust or one of those places, you can always just go to Rite Aid for the same price. You could get like a five stacked scoop of ice cream and it's good. It's the in and out effect where not only is it better than most places, it's way cheaper than most places. So that makes it even better. And you go to Rite Aid for ice cream. You're going into a pharmacy just to get ice cream. And sometimes you'll be standing around yeah. meant to go get one thing and then suddenly you can't you happen yeah. to catch someone at the yeah. counter. You're, you're like, saying, I the have person's to get there. I might I as well do it. Ice cream, but I'll just give it to somebody because <laughs> Rainbow Sherbet, which is my second favorite flavor really of theirs. Everyone's still worried right now because they were sold to Albertsons last year, so mm-hmm. it's still kinda up in the air of what exactly is gonna happen to Thrifty Ice Cream. They say they'll keep it. We don't know yet though if they're going to move the factory out of LA, if they're gonna change the recipe, which would be really horrible yeah. because it would be taking away the taste of summer for a whole gen- for generations yeah, of Californians true. and we'll all have to go back to pretending that we like Baskin Robbins again <laughs> which would really be bad thrifty ice cream is like it's it's great. Yeah. It's you're, so good. You're right. It is the in and out of ice cream. It became so like, well, I guess we could just stop and get some of that because it, it's they're everywhere yeah. and they're cheap. And I they're mean, just yeah, good. it's a special occasion. Put yeah. on your tuxedo and go to Farrell's ice yeah. cream. Or Fossilman's. Fossil. What's Farrell's? I don't know. You said it before. and I'll just, I, Why do I keep saying Farrell's? I have no idea. Farrell's is, I think, another ice cream place. Well, I can't cream. eat that either. So I hope this has touched off hearts and stomachs across all podcasting right now. Oh, they're probably closed now, but I would love to get, and I also had two donuts before we started, but I would love to get some thrifty ice cream right now that'd be really good to watch you eat that (laughs) while i just like lick ice or whatever could i have a double scoop of prescription drugs (laughs) from somebody else but now let's get to our listener question for this month this one comes from mumbles underscore on instagram they're moving to the valley from sydney whoa australia we didn't mean to burn australia before oh crap 
We did that. We're sorry. We assume that you eat ice cream, we, too. We can't make fun of them because they're, they're all criminals. They're probably full of old big spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Your ice cream, it's milked out of like a giant lizard. That's, that's how it works in Australia. So their question is, what's your all-time favorite? And I know they're from Australia because they spelled it with a U. Your all-time favorite thing about the San Fernando Valley. If we're talking about a location or a... Don't I, be snarky, Greg. I'm not. I'm. Oh, last night when you asked, when you told me what it was, I said my favorite thing is that I'm not currently there. I said, don't be snarky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just repeating my snarkiness from last night. I lived in the valley briefly because my mom lives out here. So when I went to CSUN, I was living out here for like 10 years, which right. is how we hung out so much. Uh, and I really didn't like it because it felt like it was just one giant industrial area with a bunch of chain stores everywhere. And I was from LA where it's everything's oh, a little oh, bit different. Oh, sorry. But it's that, a little bit different. That's only certain areas. What, I, what I'm trying to get to is yeah. that over of my time coming You're having back a change here. of heart. Let me, let me uh, let yeah, this happen. Yeah, let, let it happen. <laughs> I can now recognize the smaller neighborhoods here. It, and now that Echo Park is gentrified, I like to go to areas that are multicultural and not only are they multicultural but every neighborhood is different than the next and i now i know the difference between encino and chatsworth and <laughs> canoga park which is little compton and <laughs> we talked before how we like to just cruise around the valley at night yeah. during the summer and stuff I, I have like a special love now for the valley because like you can cruise through so many different neighborhoods on one street and it's such a beautiful experience and it i like suburbs now because all my areas in my neighborhood yeah. where i grew up are now being gentrified so i, I like downey santa Fe springs and maybe would and uh like which are all places not in the valley <laughs> no i know that but what i'm saying is like places that aren't gentrified yeah, yeah, yeah. that are like the way they were 56 years ago and the valley is still the way it was probably 56 well, years ago i mean it is sort of like los angeles as a whole it's kind of hard to crack yeah. but once you crack it like oh there's a lot of meat in here yeah there's, there's a lot yeah. of good stuff in here cruising around also it's less crowded yeah. like if you want to cruise around koreatown for example yeah, like you, good you good will luck. be cruising yeah. because you can't park <laughs> you didn't plan on cruising yeah, but, but you, you are not cruising you hit it on the head with the multiculturalism because my thing in particular which I feel like I'm always just saying I love the food I love yeah. the food but there's so many so like you can literally have food from every single country inside the valley yeah. and it's like a block away from each other there's yeah. so many different areas that you can just pass by and there's like oh there's this strip mall that has there's a Ugandan place there's a Sri Lankan mm -hmm. place there's an Indian place there's a Korean place yeah I want all of them you can't go to LA and like they close all the dive bars and now they're hipster bars but like there's four of my favorite bars are now I yeah. won't say what they are it's attached to Santa Susana which is Manson lore it's yeah, attached there's, to there's definitely Laurel, a lot of um, history it's attached to Laurel Canyon and to Panga Canyon which is its own types of history like it's we said before when we did the episode about oddities inside of the valley it was the backyard of everybody like film industry people the stars lived in hollywood and the people who worked in the industry as like <laughs> yeah. gaffers and cameramen they all lived in the valley so yeah, like the frustrated b-listers exactly so i have this like this is where kids rode bikes and loved monster movies and like i have a thing like Ada will ask me if I can live in one time in history, where would I live? And my example is I want to be a little kid with Lone Ranger pajamas and a Lone Ranger mask watching Lone Ranger TV, the Lone Ranger show, eating Lone Ranger cereal. Yeah. In, in a, Like I want that. And like in my head, that's the valley in the well, 60s. Other parts of the city are kind of losing their charm. Mm -hmm. For now, at least the valley is maintaining because it is cheaper. Yeah. So the minority communities, not everybody, but a lot of people can still afford to live mm -hmm. there, which is great because then you're getting that culture that's being pushed out and squeezed out of other of, of echo park exactly yeah. like that like i like just living next to families now i just live next to young professionals <laughs> there's like a people next to me who just have a cactus business and they just like <laughs> live there and it's so irritating because i live hip neighborhoods are a disease on the city <laughs> they've meant for the west side but even the hip 
quote unquote neighborhoods in the valley, which like it's Studio all down City. Ventura. Yeah, it's all, but it's even it's not that hip. Like no. the, the valley, it's rich but not hip. It's rich. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna. I mean, I guess you could spend a fortune on a dinner yeah, yeah, in yeah. Studio City, but it's not gonna be like this. Four stools here, yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and you have to have a degree in the culinary arts to eat here, or else yeah. you're not gonna be allowed. We it, only serve four types of beer. Yeah, but one time Quentin Tarantino came in, so now yeah. everybody comes here. As much as we were just saying, it's a hard nut to crack that's somehow filled with meat. I don't <laughs> it's almost a more accessible version of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I like it. I've been trying to figure out what's the thing that links Los Angeles together because it's so wide. For a while, I thought, well, there isn't anything. We're just like, all oh, LA County was a fake grid drawn over and everything. And then I'm starting to think that maybe it might be the streets, the actual roads that get us between neighborhoods. And the valley is great because it's basically a grid system. Yeah. It's very uninteresting the way it's mapped out. <laughs> but like... Until you get to Burbank. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You can take Sherman Way to when it's a hill hitting Santa Susana and drive it all the way down. Yeah, that is appealing. Yeah. And it is, you know, like if you're in Porter Ranch or Granada Hills and you're like, all right, Here's I got to I got to get to work. I got to go down Reseda and you just see yeah, the other see, end of the valley. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like where because you're why in valley, would I get to the light at the end of the tunnel. You're <laughs> on the rim and I got to drive to the other rim and you yeah. can see it. Yeah. People would get mad at me when I would be at my mom's house. I'm like, I'm going to drive to Daniel's and like, where does he live? I'm like down the street. And they're like, "Oh, that's 20 minutes away." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's down the street. I can see where he lives from where I'm at <laughs> I and it's 20 minutes house. away. It's two streets." Yeah. So, it's just down the street. That's the Got to love it. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, <laughs> don't have another change of heart <laughs> if you have a listener question i forgot to mention this at the beginning remember to send us what we were asking for at the beginning yeah. if you have another question send it to us on our email la.meekly at gmail.com instagram la underscore meekly twitter at la meekly facebook also leave us a review on itunes oh, yeah we love that kind of stuff oh i love that it's like a triple scoop i love that give leave me a triple scoop <laughs> give me a five star scoop on <laughs> itunes if you have an iphone open the podcast app look us up leave us some stars if yeah. some words if you want that's very nice it helps us get noticed by more people so that we can keep this going for you yep. support us on patreon mm -hmm. we send out postcards every month to people who give handwritten us handwritten sometimes personalized if i know you well enough on social media i personalize everything you do don't you, yeah. you i it. stalk everybody <laughs> we know your address don't think i'm not uh <laughs> don't think outside. i'm parked outside with my listening device you can follow me in the me myself grego gonzo at instagram grego underscore gonzo on twitter i'm doing a couple stand-up shows in august mm -hmm. so you can check me out on those things i'd greatly appreciate you come Say hi to me. Daniel is on Twitter at DM Zafrin. At him and bully him into tweeting more because yeah. he's really funny. Say something funny already. Uh, he, have you ever noticed when sprinklers uh, 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 over the word limit? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube yes, channel. We're going to yes. be putting the stuff we talked about at the beginning from that live show, the video up there. And you can also listen to episodes on that if that's easier, easier for you. Yeah, because iTunes is trash. So YouTube uh, is a little bit better. Interesting. Any last thoughts on ice cream? Um, I can't have it. <laughs> Wait, are you lactose intolerant? Oh, he's so proud of that. This research was miserable. And yep. I want you to know how sad I was reading for me this was great I love this episode <laughs> like all the other food episodes we've done I've been like I got even though I don't yeah. like Baskin Robbins I gotta go to Baskin Robbins I feel like if we ever split you would do a food podcast and I would do a crime podcast <laughs> yeah. easily why not combine them <laughs> welcome to LA Meekly <laughs> welcome to Cannibal Podcast <laughs> I hope y'all have a good I hope y'all have, have a good time August <laughs> y'all come back <laughs> now see you at Gower Gold <laughs> try to stay cool this august it's gonna be it's gonna miserable. be miserable it's gonna yeah. be terrible everyone's gonna be real tired so be really nice to people because people aren't gonna be able to go to bed till five in the morning and then they have to get up at seven <laughs> so be nice to everybody because it's gonna get really ugly out there we love yeah. you 
<laughs> y'all come back because we love y'all. <laughs> Can't do this without you. So that's been uh, a delicious, yet another delicious episode of yeah. L.A. Meekly. Maybe the greatest episode of L.A. Meekly ever. Serving soldiers scoops since 2013. Giddy up, partners. Yeehaw to you all. <laughs> Which I think we use in an intro. <laughs> <laughs>